0: Praise the, Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Welcome to Bible Study. Glad for everybody here today. We did, uh, we started a new Bible study uh, at dedicated, dedicated Health, Dedicated Senior, Dedicated Senior Services on Grand, um, where the old Aldi's used to be. And uh, that's going to be every other Tuesday at 1 o'clock for anybody that would like to Come. And uh, we'd love to have you. It was really wonderful. You know, sometimes we have Bible study and we have just church folks. We had Bible study there and we had a a different mix of people and uh, a different um, interaction, which was all good. And so we encourage you to come be with us. Two weeks from today will be the next one, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. For those who are able, we'll endeavor to remind you as the time draws near. Also, we found out the uh, funeral information for Brother Ronald Jones, it'll be the 20th, it'll be the 20th at, I think it's uh, 11 a.m., double-checking. Yes, 20th, 10 a.m. visitation, service starts at 11 a.m., it will be here, and I think there will be a repass afterwards, so if you'd like, we'll probably communicate with them and find out what we might be able to do to help out, and uh, looking forward to helping comfort the family uh, for a man that's been involved in the church for a long time. So that'll be the 20th of this month. All right, if you have your Bibles open with us. Oh, one more thing. Don't forget, this coming Saturday, this coming Saturday is spring forward. So if you start today and you get an extra 12 minutes of sleep, Every night, from now through Sunday, then you'll be fine when it comes Sunday. Amen? So start earlier, go to bed 12 minutes earlier, and you should be fine. 15 minutes to be extra charged. All right, we're in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. We didn't get very far last time in our Bible study. Glad for everybody here. Make yourself at home. Reading from the King James Version of the Bible, um, we don't talk a whole lot about it, but King James Version of the Bible, we use it because we believe it to be the most accurate that we have from the original. Uh, There are other Bibles people may read as kind of like an alternate view, but if you want to rest your soul upon something steadfast, and I would certainly recommend the King James Version. Sometimes people will say, well, that's kind of an old version. It's old English. It's difficult to understand. It's really not that difficult to understand. I think it's uh, as they were studying uh, a fifth grade level of English. There may be some older words, but even with those older words typically there will be a concordance in the back or a dictionary for some of the old English words. But it will give you The closest we have to the original. I say that. So what do you you compare it to? Well, if you compare it to the NIV, there are many verses in the NIV that are completely left out. I would ask you to go to a certain verse. Go to verse 8, and you would see verse 6, verse 7, verse 9. It's missing. It's just not there in more than one place in the Bible. Then there are times where they change the words and they'll remove words. And uh, so we really recommend, we really recommend the King James Version. Now, if you are a new Christian, you haven't got a Bible, we actually can give you a King James Version. It's a smaller print, so you have to uh, be able to read the smaller print. We can give you one. Just ask us after service. All right, book of Hebrews, chapter 12. Don't take any of that off my time and let us... endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin, and ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. I'm going to stop right there. Let us pray. Reverend Tuigser, would you please pray over our Bible study and teacher? Amen. All right, last week we told you we had that unenviable task of taking the final bite of dessert in Hebrews chapter 11, the great chapter of faith. And Paul gives us all those examples of those who have gone on before. We saw that having faith did not guarantee that there wouldn't be problems. There were many people that uh, believed and it cost them their life. They were tortured. They were sawn asunder, so on and so forth. So with that backdrop... He segues into chapter 12, and we find, if you were listening or noticing, we find this idea of patience and endurance. Patience and endurance. So you had these other people who had gone through all the, what they went through. He laid that down as an example. Then he tells us that we have to endure. We have to keep going. He showed us that they did. We have to keep going. We have to endure. Now, let's get a little bit, a little bit. Closer. We shared with you last week how that he's liking this unto a race. In chapter 1, saying lay, uh, verse 1, rather, lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. We shared with you that oftentimes in their Greek races, they would strip down almost, almost completely naked, just barely claw, uh, covering their private parts to run the race. And so the idea is everything that's not necessary should be laid aside. Everything that's not absolutely vital to our Christian race should be laid aside. He says that we should run forward, laying aside these weights, the sin which doth so easily beset us. We also shared with you the idea of a uh, campfire which had the wild animals and the fire kept them back. And that sin was like surrounding a Christian, and that we should stay close, staying close to Christ, close to the fire. Verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, if we're in this race, if you've ever been in a race or uh, been involved in running, when you have somebody else running with you, it encourages you to keep going. If you're out there by yourself, you get tired. You say, oh, "I'm just going to stop." But if you got somebody next to you, man, you don't want to stop when they're going to—they're going to see you stop and they're going to keep on running. It's just something about it that just kind of keeps you moving forward. So the writer is saying, "Looking unto Jesus, I'm looking unto Him. I'm not running this race alone." So he's writing this picture of me going forward. We already saw that there was a cloud of witnesses surrounding us. We pictured as a stadium. All these people in heaven cheering us on. And so I'm looking to Jesus. He's running with me. I got the stating of people. I have all these examples in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 of folks that believed and kept on going. So I've got to keep on going. I've got to endure. Now, the idea of patience and endurance is it's not always going to be easy. You don't need to endure something that's easy and smooth to the flesh. You need to endure things that are hard, that are difficult. Amen? We endure pain. We endure resistance. We we put up with and we we fight through and muscle through things that are difficult. So he's telling us, just because we're Christians, just because we're followers of Christ, doesn't mean everything's gonna be easy. We must have patience, keep running, endure. Consider him, verse 3, that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. You have not yet resisted under blood, striving against sins. Now we see some of these things that's coming in. Jesus endured, he put up with the people that were fighting against him. We're going to have to deal with that also. It's kind of strange, isn't it? When you first get saved, one of the things that's perhaps, at least it was to me, striking to the new Christian is that not everybody is excited that you've changed. (laughs) Not everybody is excited that you're no longer sinning. Now all of a sudden you get saved and you're not drinking anymore and you're not cursing anymore and you're not sleeping around and you're not doing these things and the people look at you like, what, you think you're more holy than us? And they look at you, what's wrong with you? Why won't you come and be a part? And and they might call you names and they might give you a hard time, so on and so forth. Well, we understand why. That's what they did to Jesus. For him, it resulted in crucifixion. And so Paul's writing. He gives us all these examples in in chapter 11. Then he's setting Jesus as the ultimate example. And he shows he kept on going even though it cost him his life. And so when it seems hard, he's saying, you need to look to Jesus. Look, he didn't give up. He didn't stop. He kept on going. He had patience. He endured. He went even to the cross. And then he kind of puts things in perspective. Okay, they're calling you a Bible thumper. All right, they're saying you're a Jesus freak. All right, they're making fun of you because you won't dress like a hoochie mama or do some of these things like everybody else. And he says, you have not yet resisted unto blood. It's not that your endurance and your resistance has cost you actual physical blood yet. And so what's the big deal in comparison and perspective? It may be difficult. It may be tough. It may be uh, trying. But in perspective of what Christ has done for us, it's really not as big a deal. He said, consider him. Verse 5, you have forgotten The exhortation which speaketh unto you, as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of Him. So the word discipline here—it's from the Greek word paideia—and it has not only the idea of a rebuke or a correction, but also the positive side of training or guiding. So a loving parent would train and guide a child, but a loving parent would also correct and reprove a child. And so he's saying, you've got to understand, God is a loving father. The idea in today's society is, well, if he would love me, matter of fact, in our Bible study earlier today, we had a man that was asking that question, well, if God would love us, then why would he send people to hell? Why would he he allow that to happen? Now, first of all, God doesn't send people to hell. God has made every provision for you not to go to hell. So it's up to you to respond and accept what God has given you. He's given you a way out of that by repenting of your sins, by turning to him, by living an overcoming Christian life. If you go to hell, you're going to to hell against the will of God. It's not God's will that any should perish, the Bible said. But all should receive repentance, come, come to the knowledge of the truth. God doesn't want you to die and go to hell. So, a loving parent doesn't just overlook somebody or their child's heir. You want your child one day to grow up and be a respected part of the community. You don't want them, you don't want them growing up with a victim mindset. Everybody owes them something. You want them to understand God's number one in their life and they have the ability to make a life for themselves by God's grace and the freedom we have in our country to do something with it. Amen? Amen. Not because, not, and, and, and I think sometimes people limit, they limit their children, they limit um, uh, their future by building into their minds all these things. Well, you can't succeed because the man is against you. Or you're from this level of society and you'll never grow out of that. Or you can't succeed because of this or that or the other. And they give them reasons to not strive to be the best that they can be. I just don't believe. There may be, there may be um, uh, things that we all have to face. But with God's grace, we can rise above whatever comes against us if you build into your mind this victimhood mentality that you can't do it because of whatever it is in your background, then you hinder yourself. So he's saying a loving father not only instructs and guides, he also corrects. And then he tells us that we should not despise the chastening of the Lord. So on the one side, a teenager gets to a certain place, and the parent says, listen, you need to do this, you need to do that. And the teenager, if they're not careful, they'll just throw that off. Uh, the old man's saying this, mom's saying that. They're despising the chastening, the correction of the Lord. That's one, that's one wrong response to it. second wrong response is this. They become discouraged. The parent says, hey, son, you can't do this. And they say, man... I'm just not doing it right. I'm never going to do it right. I might as well just stop trying and get beat down. That's the second wrong response. So we don't want to just cast away the correction of God, nor do we want to faint and get discouraged and depressed when God corrects us, but we want to take the correction with the understanding God loves me, and there's a reason for this. Now... Here's the thing. It's not always going to line up to the reasoning of the world. It's not always going to make sense in the eyes of the world. And we've got to understand God is a good God. He is a wise God. He knows what's best for us. And I must trust his judgment above what the world says. Amen. So when God says, listen, I don't want you to have friendships with the world. Come out from among them, be separate," saith the Lord. Have no friendship with the unfruitful. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. God's saying, "Listen, I don't want you to do that. If you're a Christian, you should be different. Your friends shouldn't be those who are who are not born again." Now we always come to this and and and. People say, well, how am I supposed to win them to Christ if I'm not their friend? Well, we're friendly without being a friend. Meaning, I'm going to be friendly to them and kind and winning them to Christ, but I'm not going to open up my heart and let them, with their uh, uh, counsel of the ungodly, their advice of somebody who's not saved, impact me. Do you follow? Thank you, Will. Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. He corrects. He rebukes. And scourgeth. He spanks every son whom he receiveth. Now, think about this. and i got—I got to get the next verse. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof of all our partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. There are some that are making themselves or taking themselves out of the family of God by not submitting to the correction of God. And they get to the place, and this is especially dangerous for those of us who have been around a little longer, they get to the place where they say, you know what, I'm not going to let anybody tell me what to do. They get a little bit of Bible knowledge and they no longer want to submit to God or to the leadership that God has given them. And in so doing, if you don't receive the chastisement, the chastening, the correction of God, you're really removing yourself from the family. Because if God can't correct you, he said, if he doesn't correct you, you are not sons. You're illegitimate children. You don't belong anymore because you're not receiving. Now, in my work as regional overseer, sometimes I'm talking to, I'm thinking about a particular minister, where they just would not receive any, any adjustment in their thinking from any leader. And my question to them was, who can speak to you anymore? Because you're not receiving it from anybody. It didn't matter if pastor, whoever it is, whoever spoke to them, they just would not receive correction. Now, when you do that, you put yourself really outside of the family of God. Because whom the Lord loveth, he's going to chasten. And so if God's correcting you, number one, you ought to thank God. Man, thank you, Jesus. You care enough about me to help me. Because think about it. Have you ever gone to a store and you saw some wild kid? And they were acting like uh, uh, a hyper cat on cocaine, amen. Running around, climbing this up and buying, wanting to get this and do that and throwing a fit and everything. And you said, man, if that was my kid, (laughs) I'd tell them to do this or I'd tell them to do that. But you say what? You say, it's not my child. And so you ignore them and they continue on with their craziness. Amen. Well, if we're not willing to receive correction, that's what God does. All right, you don't want to be my son, you don't want to be my daughter, continue on with your craziness. But that's not going to work out well for you in the long run. You can't go to God's heaven without receiving the correction of God. Does God care about what I wear? He does. Does God care about uh, uh, my interactions in my family? He does. Does God care about... Uh, what, I, what I view, what I take in, he does. Does God care about my friends? He does. And you can, you can say, well, preacher, I want to read it for myself. Please do. I'm not making it up. God wants us to be separate from the world. In our media, he doesn't want us to be taking in the music of the world. He's not... God doesn't want you sitting around listening to Tennessee whiskey and, and rock and roll and uh, uh, all this, this, this worldly music out there. Music is very powerful. It affects our body, our soul, and our spirit. And so the Bible tells us that we should be taking in things that, that glorify God. Making melody in our hearts with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Not secular music that's highlighting sexuality and, and violence and curse words. And I understand sometimes you get blindsided. Sometimes you're scrolling through your social media and somebody drops this curse word and that curse word. You got to just keep on going. And God can protect you from that. But to sit there and just take in the world, well, you're, gonna, you're not obeying what God says. You're not going to be uh, a family member, a son or a daughter, if you don't receive the chastening, the correction of God. If you be without chastisement, we're of all our partakers, then are you bastards and not sons, illegitimate children. Verse 9, Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? Godly parents who corrected us We didn't like it at the time, but we respected them later on. Man, thank God, Dad, he made me come home on time. Thank God, Dad, he didn't let me uh, go to school dressed in that miniskirt. Thank God, Dad didn't let me listen to that stuff. He was checking out what I have on my phone. Amen? Amen? And then later on, we respect them. Man, I'm glad I didn't have a dad just let me do whatever. And so now he's saying, hey, when it comes to the spiritual father, it's the same way. God is going to get up all, all up in your business, if we can say it that way. He, wants, he doesn't need your passcode. He knows what's on your phone. He knows what's on the website. Amen? And he's calling us to a holy life. Verse 10. For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. But he, for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness... So what is God saying? He, they, our natural fathers, for a few days corrected us because they wanted to have a peaceful household, their own pleasure. But he corrects us for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, here's the thing. I talked to somebody recently, and uh, they're going through some things, some serious things. Some, I won't get into all the details, serious things. And so I was explaining to them the importance of being completely surrendered to Christ. When you are completely surrendered to Christ, you're emptied of the world, you're emptied of self, you're emptied of the devil's influences. God fills you, then there's no place in you for the enemy. The the devil cannot infill, possess a child of God. Because he's filled, that child of God is filled with light. He's filled with Jesus. Jesus. Amen. But if we hold on to the world, then we provide a spot, a place, an unsurrendered spot in our life where the enemy can take up a place and begin to work from within us. And so some people never have peace with God because they never fully surrendered to God. They're still holding on to the world. They've still got some unlittle little unsurrendered part of their heart. They say, I am not going to give that up. For instance, God says, oh, so the same person I was telling, going through some serious issues, and I was encouraging them, hey, come to church. Why don't you come? Come to the Bible study. Come. Be in there. Let God help you. Because they said, man, we're having cell phone problems tonight. I think we've had four cell phones ringing. Um, it would be good if you just have a, a, a time before you get into church. Turn them all off. That would be a blessing. Amen? Amen? Amen. Or turn them on to silence. Turn mine on to silent, double check and make sure. Yes. All right. Because it's distracting. Amen. So they were saying, uh, they're facing all these things. I said, hey, come to church. Now, why should we come to church? Hey, number one reason to, sh- to obey God. Because God said, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Now, a million things will come up. Man, I've got a, uh, my kid's got a sports game. Well, go ahead. Let your kid be a sports player. But are they going to be a Christian? Now, they don't need to be mutually exclusive. My son played sports this year, but he didn't miss any church services. And he knew ahead of time. He knew ahead of time. If there was a conflict, if you had a game on the night of a church service, you're going to miss that game. And he knew ahead of time we weren't sure he was going to be able to play sports because we weren't going to let him dress him modestly but thank god his his christian school they don't wear shorts they wear long uh long pants to play basketball in so i said okay you can play as long as you understand you're not going to miss any church services amen and you're going to dress modestly then i'm cool with that but when it comes to where I've got to violate the word of God to accommodate my son. No, we're not going to do that. Well, he won't like you. He might not like me at the time. But there comes a time where you got to do the right thing. And the right thing is God says he wants us to be separate. Christians have to be Christians. You can't tell them apart from the world anymore. Christian women with uh, high skirts, Christian men with all kinds of tight clothes, God wants us to be modest. He wants us to be different. He wants us to be separate. He doesn't want us to focus on the outward beauty. He wants to be the one that beautifies us from within. That's why he tells us, hey, listen, I don't want you to wear the pearls and the gold and the costly array. That's what God said. That's what the word of God tells us. He doesn't want us to apply our beauty externally. He wants it to come from the inside. You still here? Verse 11. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Nobody likes to be corrected, but sometimes our pride needs to be slapped. Sometimes our, our self needs to be corrected. Paul said, "I keep under my body." Why do he have to say that? Because obviously that, that fleshly part of him would want to rise up, and he said, "I can't let it rise up and, and kill my soul." And you've got to watch that when it comes to when it comes to our, our spiritual leaders. If you get to the place where you no longer want to submit, respect those who God gives us as leaders, you've got to correct that in your own life, because it endangers you. Verse 12, wherefore, I've got just a little bit more. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. All right, he's corrected you. Don't walk around like a whipped dog. Don't despise the chastening of the Lord. Don't faint when you're rebuked of him. Don't get discouraged or depressed. Lift up the hands that hang down. Thank you, God, for correcting me. Thank you for loving me so much that you gave me correction for helping me For reminding me that I should be in church. For reminding me that I should be a Christian. I should be a a soul winner. I got a question for you. When's the last time you shared your faith with somebody? When's the last time you invited somebody to church? Now there are some that would say, today. Today I shared my faith. Today I invited somebody to church. There are others that would have to say, man, I haven't shared my faith in, in months. I haven't invited anybody to church in a long time. Or perhaps you would have to say, I only do it on Saturdays when we go out as a group. where well, God wants that to be a part of our life. Lift up the hands and hang down and the feeble knees. Make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way. Let it rather be healed. All right, you've been corrected. It's hurting. You've been spanked. Your backside's a little sore. Don't turn off. Just keep going straight. Keep doing what God wants you to do. You'll be healed. Submit. Humble yourself. Make the correction. Do what you got to do. Take the pride out. Let it be healed. Let your heart be healed. Go forward in God. I'm going to stop right there. We'll pick it up in verse 14 next week. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for each one that you brought tonight. I pray that you would take these words. God, that you'd speak to us. Sometimes our flesh, our pride gets in the way. We don't want to receive your word, your correction, your teaching, your preaching. Sometimes we elevate ourselves when we need to humble ourselves. Father, help us to humble ourselves come out from the world, to stop taking in the world and the worldly influences, worldly music, worldly movies, worldly television, and help us, God, to be godly, to be clean, to be pure. Lord, we come to you. We humble ourselves. We know we need to change and be more and more like Christ. Help us, we ask in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you is our prayer. We got fellowship downstairs. Come on downstairs and be with us. Fellowship one with another. Love one another. So fulfill the law of Christ. God bless you. You're dismissed. See you downstairs.